I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility podcast. We're at an exciting time in the mobility sector with new technology causing us to continually question the way we move both goods and people. My job is to talk to the people leading this revolution and to highlight the challenges and opportunities we face as we develop and implement safe, sustainable, and equitable mobility solutions. This podcast is brought to you by FEV. Check us out on LinkedIn or learn more at FEV.com. Today's guest is Danielle Harris. Danielle is Managing Director of Engagement and Innovation at Elemental Accelerator, where they are on a mission to redesign the systems at the root of climate change. In this role, Danielle oversees Elemental Inspire Action, pillar of their five-year strategy, where she's committed to invigorating the hearts and minds of the many to reach our social justice and climate action goals. And before this, she was uh, she led Elemental's mobility strategy and portfolio as Director of Mobility Innovation. So lot of uh, a lot of terms uh, that that Danielle jokingly said a bit whimsical in in the interview here but uh yeah so so, so overall they, they have this elemental has this five-year strategy which I, I link to in the in the show notes here and you, you can go and check out it's a, a pretty cool detailed plan where they're, they're looking at all the different aspects of climate change and trying to think about how they can help make an impact here and the, really there's three pillars from my understanding and that they spell out it's one invest in startup success to partner deeply and three inspire action so in danielle's previous role like she was able to talk about she it seemed like she was really addressing all, all of these or at least some of the beginning aspects now she's really focused on this third and the, the probably the most unique pillar which is inspire action so in this conversation we spend a lot of time talking about the uh this five-year strategy how they're thinking about the the space where there are gaps where they're focusing and, and how they're trying to go about that. We talked about some of the specific companies that they're working with, um, spent some time talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and overall, I think really, really cool conversation, unique perspective that Danielle is able to share. I also can say that uh, I think she now, at least in my own mind, has the has the place as the best answer to the question of her favorite book or books. So you'll have to uh, have to make sure to listen through towards the end to hear what she said there. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Danielle Harris. Today, I'm joined by Danielle Harris. Danielle, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, uh, this discussion you're, you're covering. I think a lot of the key topics that I try to cover on this podcast, so I think uh, that, that this should be a lot of fun. Um, can you, get, I guess, get us started by kind of introducing yourself and at a high level, sharing a bit about what you're working on? Hmm, that's a very good question. Um, so I'm at Elemental Accelerator. Um, I'm very excited to announce I just got a promotion. So I am now the Managing Director of Engagement and Innovation, uh, which sounds even more whimsical than my previous title. Uh, congrats. As, uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, formerly Director of Mobility Innovation at Elemental. Um, so when I first came to Elemental in 2019, uh, time is flying, I swear, um, I was really overseeing our mobility portfolio. Um, and so I kind of got the, you know, Dawn was great and she gave me like free reign to really fill it out, um, as I saw fit. And so just kind of wanting to add some new technologies. Um, of course I have really strong government roots being at the SFMTA, um, for about nine years uh, previous to Elemental. So I wanted to get quite a bit of GovTech in there. Um, I, you know, I'm always trying to find ways to help our cities. Um, 
And yeah, just kind of, you know, building um, the mobility voice for Elemental was uh, what a, a lot of what I was doing, just kind of going out, doing the conference circuit, speaking the gospel. Um, I, you know, my Twitter is innovation underscore DJ. And a lot of that is like when my friends call me DJ, but also um, after being in government for so long, I really realized that the changes that we want to see, you know, like the changes that we've been talking about for the last 70 years of having like, you know, slower streets, more transit, more cycling, um, more people spaces um, really hasn't been possible because we're trying to use the same tools. Um, so a lot of what I'm interested in doing is kind of, you know, remixing the two. So what's like traditional infrastructure and how do we mix that with new mobility um, and the software and types of tools that they have. So that's a big interest for me. Um, but being at Elemental really allowed me to go back to the heart of where I started, which is environmental justice. Um, my dad is an engineer. He very much wanted me to be an engineer. Um, I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Uh, engineering was impacted because that's what they're known for. So they put me in planning to just wait it out. And I ended up taking an environmental justice class. And I was like, well, that's it. Um, I'm going to become a planner. Um, and just really wanting to, uh, you know, remedy and mitigate the impacts of, you know, having waste sites and garbage sites um, within communities and having freeways drive through those communities uh, really bothered me because that's where my family is from um, in Birmingham, Alabama and Bayview, Hunters Point, San Francisco. Uh, so yeah, so coming to Elemental, I get to focus on what is equitable climate action look like, which is basically what my new role is going to be is how do I bring equitable climate action to the masses. Um, and so Elemental is very much focused on um, making the change even faster, because we don't have a lot of time. Yeah, and you, you touched on, oh, I guess, a lot there that I, um, I'm excited to, to dig into. So one of one thing that I think has, has come up a few times as I've uh, had the pleasure of learning from from great guests on, on this podcast is, so I, I come more on the, uh, from the vehicle side. So I don't know, the company FEV I work for, we, we work with a lot of companies in developing their mobility vehicles of, of the future, essentially. But as I've, I've learned more about uh, kind of the application and implementation of these ideas, I'm actually making the difference that you're talking about and that we've been talking about for for a long time it's uh one of the first thing that struck me is just how complex this ecosystem is and how many different factors there are and i don't know different uh, opinions people who are incentivized for different different things to happen etc et so it's, it's i don't even know if i'm educated enough to ask a uh <laughs> the correct pointed question but how i feel like how i know where you're going in the sense of, if you don't mind, if I'm yeah, sure yeah, go ahead, jump in. Um, it's just, I, I find that there is no shortage of technology. There's no shortage of brilliance out there, of finding new ways to do things. I think of what Elemental is really doing is innovation therapy, is the fact that you really need to change hearts and minds to get, you know, go from adaption, which is like, right, doing the pilot, the pilot went great now adopt the thing and make mm -hmm. a system-wide change is really the hard part um, and you need collective buy-in so what i like to think of is elemental chairs a very vast and diverse table as a neutral party 
Um, and so, yeah, getting that alignment that you're talking about, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of trust. Um, it takes a lot of, you know, addressing people's fears and what does that look like exactly? Um, and understanding why those fears are there, right? I think it's uh, a lot of what I try to do is, you know, you hold everybody's truths and fears as valid. Um, and then how do you move forward in that sphere? And so that's why I think it's it's a lot of like, we look at transportation and we think about hard infrastructure and we think about movement, but there's a lot of soft and squishy uh, pieces of it that really need to be addressed in order to make kind of the revolutionary change that we're, we're looking for. How has your uh, planning and I guess more policy um, experience, how do you think that's helped or will help in kind of in the your mobility focus as you've zoomed out a bit? Yeah, I would definitely say there's there's like a there's a fundraising event that I want to host, which is um, talking to college students about all the things they never told you in planning school. Um, because there's just so much one that, like you said, there's so much politics involved, but, um, what city planners really do is they facilitate all the parties coming together. You know, you're having public works come together, you're having the transit agency, parking and traffic, um, the planning department itself, you have to work with all the supervisors or council members, the mayor, right, each of the neighborhood groups, and you have to put them all together to find a solution. Um, and there's not really there's no like facilitation class that planners are asked to do, right? And it's just kind of like, you have to have us like be able to zoom out, have a systems view of, you know, what are all the potentials of how things can move forward? But to your point, right? You have to understand what is everybody's motivation and why do they want, you know, that, that bus line to go that way or for that red carpet lane or bicycle lane to be on their street or not on their street, right? Um, and so I think there's a lot of, um, yeah, it's a lot of like emotional intelligence and deep empathy, um, right? And especially for me, I focused a lot on um, community engagement. Uh, so for instance, you know, people have lived in communities for so long. And when I go and I say I'm a planner, they're like, you're a wedding planner? And I was like, no, I'm here to like plan your city, you know? And they're like, there's people planning my city. And, you know, and so yeah. just having, you know, there's so many communities that don't even have the awareness that there's people making decisions about their everyday life and they're not even a part of it. Um, and so I think a lot of what I like to do is find ways to make, you know, something very technical, um, figuring out, you know, where the bulb outs go, where the speed humps go, um, and make it very tangible for everyday people. And I think that's a lot of what we need to do for climate change as well. And is that, uh, I don't know, that, that ability to re relate kind of on the, the emotional side or to, uh, to take something technical and make it more, I don't know, applicable or some, something that can easily be grasped. Is that is that a skill that you kind of innately had or is that something that you developed over time? And, and if so, can you think of anything in particular that helped you develop that um, skill and awareness? Uh, let's see. I think a lot of things kind of poured into it. I think one, like, believe it or not, I was a very quiet child. I didn't speak for a really long time. It's probably because my brother talked a lot. Like, yeah. oh, what's your name? Her name is Danielle. How old are you? She's three. Uh, that was kind of my brother. So he was always like speaking for me. So I feel like I very much am. I'm. Uh, people don't believe me, but I'm an introvert. I like to be quiet. I really like to be a sponge. I really like 
I'm doing intermittent fasting. And that's a very exciting alarm for me because I get to eat. So. <laughs> nice. um, but uh, yeah, I think it's just like, I very much, I've always had such a very diverse group of friends. I did a talk about uh, my mom once and I was like, I was just talking about like all my mom's friends were so different. Like, you know, we had like Polynesian friends, Egyptian friends, Chinese friends, like so many different in, different types of folks that I kind of equate my childhood to being like the UN of babies. Um, and so I think being able to spend time, you get to understand so many different cultures. I really love traveling the world. Um, and so I think it's just like not settling for default culture and really questioning like you know, it, it could be this way, you know, but I think a lot of what I like to do is put myself in those people's shoes, you know, whoever it is that I'm trying to appeal to or, or get to a common ground with. And um, yeah, I really feel like um, I'm biracial and my mom is Chinese and my dad is black. And so those are pretty different cultures. Um, and so spending my time with my popo and gung gung in, in the sunset in San Francisco, and then spending my summers in Birmingham, Alabama, those are very different experiences. Um, and so just having the time to like really see how vast the world is. And I like to think of like, I live in a gray space. There's no such thing as a black and white space, you know? Um, and so that's a lot of what I do. And I have had the good fortune of being able to work in really diverse cities with um, diverse communities within San Francisco. Very cool. And I think there's maybe a topic worth uh, circling back to later. So I'll, I've made a note here and hope to get back. But uh, I want to talk specifically about um, kind of elemental and, and how you're how you're thinking about this. So first, I, I think you shared a good amount uh, when, at the start here about what, what you're doing. And it's probably clear to a good amount. But I, I, for anyone who's listening, who might not be completely clear. Can you say kind of in a I don't know, layman's term, what, what exactly is elemental's role and how are they coming in and uh, and playing in this ecosystem? This is a fabulous question. Um, okay, so I think I think we will start with what is elemental. Um, okay. yeah. So we like to think of like we are moving climate climate action forward uh, with a focus on innovation, so technologies. Um, but we realize that technology alone is not the solution. Um, we're hitting a pretty pivotal time in which we have less than 10 years to address climate change. Um, otherwise, we're going to go to kind of this point of no return is what the scientists say, right? Um, and so Elemental just released our five-year strategy. We've been in existence for 10 years. So um, we realize we need to move a lot faster to meet that timeline. So what Elemental does is uh, we started off as a startup accelerator focused on climate, climate tech. Um, and so we provide funding for coaching um, as well as for demonstration projects. We realize we're very much in a seeing as believing type of industry. Um, so making sure that our, these technologies that we want to grow and thrive and to really change hard systems and um, mobility, water, energy, agriculture, and the circular economy, one, have a chance to uh, be seen by those industries, those that are really driving um, greenhouse gases, but also wanting to make sure that they're in an ecosystem that helps them thrive. You know, it's not just one project. Um, we look at the projects as one, the first of the next 100. Um, and we're very serious about that. And so one, we allow the funding, um, provide the funding, 
Um, and the other part is uh, we partnered deeply as our second pillar of our strategy, uh, which is one creating that ecosystem. So really wanting to get you know corporates involved, philanthropics involved, utilities, cities, uh, and community all involved in our projects and in our startups so that they're aware of them. Um, and then third pillar is called Inspire Action, which is what I'm in charge of, um, which is really kind of a how do we get more people thinking about climate action? Um, one, we understand that climate is very, uh, the climate discussion is very, it's very exclusive, it's very privileged, right? Like you got to think about people's everyday problems. Um, and we're kind of are in an instant gratification culture that it's like, this thing is going to happen like so far from now. Um, and I think 2020 was really the first true glimpse that we got that, oh, this might be a real thing. Oh, California is burning. Oh, there's flooding. Oh, there's intense freezing happening in Texas. Like people are like, oh, this, this might be that thing that they're calling climate change. Right. Um, and how do we make, how do we, how do we make that a top of mind discussion and um, really elicit action without having these devastating events, right? How do we make it an everyday type of thing that I'm going to try to address this, right? So that's that's kind of elemental, it's kind of an all-encompassing, like we just need to make change. And so just to reiterate, it's um, invest in startup success is the first pillar, uh, which is continuing to double down um, and expand beyond the 15 to 20 companies that we take into our cohort every year. Um, and then uh, partner deeply and then inspire action, which is just getting more folks under the tent. Oh, yeah. Th thank you. I, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And just to, to clarify, so how, how are you different than like a, a, a VC firm? Oh, how are we different? That's a very good question. Um, well, I think a big thing is we focus on equitable climate action. So what does that mean exactly? Uh, in 2017, we started uh, the Equity and Access Track uh, project track. So that was focused on equity in. So how can you diversify your team, diversify your supply chain, diversify your board? Um, and so we would we would help uh, founders do that. And then equity out is how are you going to mitigate uh, unintended consequences of your technology if there are any? Um, how do you work with community to make sure you're having a deployment that not only satisfies your commercial needs, but also uh, the community's needs? Um, and then, of course, something that I'm sure the Biden administration is excited about is uh, jobs, 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 right? How are we going to get more green jobs? Um, and so that's really that's really um where we like to focus, especially right now with the administration's um, American Jobs Plan pending. So that's a big part of how Elemental is different. Um, we have found that a lot of founders come to us and like, you know, they don't have the, the capacity to take on a DEI consultant. You know, they don't have a place where they can, you know, kind of learn DEI in a way that, you know, they're not going to get, you know, um, you know, a place where they can make mistakes. You know, it is a very challenging conversation. Um, and, you know, you have to have an understanding that everybody's starting point in that conversation varies. Um, and so we do have a lot of really 
introspective um, conversations with our founders about DEI. And we're really excited. Um, we're going to be releasing our um, equity and access um, field guide, which is called Equity is Dynamic, uh, which is a platform to help uh, more founders really get that type of learning. Because I think it's very clear that people that are being impacted by climate change are those people that are currently already being really challenged in life, right? They're already low income, they're people of color. Um, I think, you know, here in Oakland where I am, you know, there's the asthma rates are extremely high in West and East Oakland. Um, but it's also, those are the areas that it's most difficult to get around as well. Um, that have the least amount of, um, recreational space. So it's kind of like, you know, we realize that these communities are going to be hit even harder by climate change. And what can we do to address their current challenge? But what can we do to prevent the impacts of climate change specifically there first? Yeah, that's, uh, that's certainly a challenging problem. And I think you I think you used the word uh, privileged problem or something like that for, for climate change before, which I think is is an interesting uh, pr perspective and well in that as well in that uh, I know it, it's it's easy enough or it's I guess challenging enough to convince someone that uh, they should care and make, make an impact on climate change when I don't basic needs are met. I mean, still people people challenge, but when you then look at yeah, someone struggling to to pay pay rent to to make their way to get food on the table, it, yeah, I, I have to imagine it's a it's a little. Exactly. Like, if, you're, if you're like, man, am I going to be able to buy enough food this week to feed my babies? You're not really thinking of like, did I bring my canvas bag so I'm not using plastic bags? Like, that's just not going to be top of mind, right? Yeah. So, so how do you uh, how do you go about this kind of in inspire action? Um, what what are kind of the key things in your mind that you you think we need to? make sure that we're doing to inspire people to take some climate action? Yeah, that is a very good question. And I think that's really where I'm going to be spending the rest of my 2021. Um, but something that we already realize is um, we really need to glow up the successes of our projects so far. Um, one, we've learned a lot. Um, I think we all know that innovation is not a linear path, right? Uh, there's bumps and bruises along the way. Um, and honestly, the learnings from those types of, you know, missteps and having the foresight is extremely helpful. Um, it's not only helpful for our founders, but it's helpful for the entire ecosystem of how do you truly deploy a new technology within a very old and you know fixed system mm -hmm. um and a lot of it we've learned is um going back to that ecosystem is making sure everybody's on board having very transparent conversations um something i like to talk about is let's talk about all the way that this demonstration project could go wrong so people are actually thinking about that yeah. um and having those mitigation measures and um there something i think is really um sometimes comical to me is when I ask founders, okay, how long is it going to take for you to launch with that city? And they're like, oh, you know, we're going to get through contracting in a month, and then we're going to deploy in the next two months, and then we're just going to kick it off and do data collection, and we're done. And I was like, 
uh, do you know about their contracting? Are you a you know pre-qualified contractor? You know those types of things, and so um, just realizing the timing of government and innovation, folks in tech is so different, um, is one piece of it, and wanting to share that and make sure it's really clear. Um, yeah. The other one is just. Um, for instance, we had Ampere, which is a hybrid electric plane in our, our um, portfolio. They were doing a project of um, flying from Kahului Airport in Maui to Hana, mm -hmm. uh, which is a pretty um, secluded area. Um, I think most people are probably familiar with the road to Hana, the drive. Yeah. Um, so they were flying um, and something that was really um, delaying the project was getting the the energy to charge the plane mm -hmm. um right everyone's like oh we're gonna fly this plane and then you have to realize oh we have to work with the utility to work with the dot at the airports to make it possible to charge this plane um and so a lot of innovation gets slowed down by you know we're going to have to change like some foundational systems to even allow this technology to thrive um, so yeah, so I would say in terms of Inspire Action, we will be sharing the deep learnings of our companies um, so that other people, other folks um, as well, other climate technologies can thrive. Um, we can prepare more corporate partners for what it looks like to innovate uh, within their systems. And uh, something else is really big is making sure communities are ready for innovation as well. Um, I, we always talk about um, it doesn't feel good to be planned on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so making sure communities understand where their voice is um, and that it's front and center. So that's one of the, one of the things. Um, the field guide is another um, really exciting inspire action, which is just to make sure that um, we're pursuing equitable climate change. Um, by having those introspective conversations. And then something else that I'm really excited about is I'm going to be producing uh, more content. I don't know if I'm going to do a podcast like you, Brandon, but um, I'm thinking it's something kind of like um, Triple D uh, in terms of, um, you know, going around featuring all these different types of technologies slash like Bill Nye, the science guy, and really right having those conversations of being able to explain really technical um, innovations um, in a really simple way. Uh, the other part is we got to make it hot. So you're going to have your like throwback MTV VJ moment. We might feature some music. Um, we might feature some food too. Um, and then have that kind of like, you know, that like really sleek kind of vice news vibe to it um, nice. and, and make sure that it recovering a pretty like global stance. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm not sure what the format is going to be, but I will say our uh, creative director, Bobby, has he just has amazing footage um, and he is always putting out videos for us. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to want to work pretty closely with him. Cool. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. I'm excited to, uh, to see what comes from that. Uh, qu quickly touching on, so, so you mentioned uh, Ampere and this is, I don't know, maybe, maybe one aspect of kind of the, the broader topic you had mentioned of uh, celebrating wins. So, so I've actually, in my uh, kind of my, my day job, I've been spending a lot of time over the last nine months or so in the uh, hybrid electrified aircraft space and it's talking with fr friends and family for sure, but then even people in the industry focused on mobility. They're I think stunned by how much innovation is being made and, and how much uh, how much effort is going into and 
progress was being made towards um, improving the sustainability of a flight. And I mean, yeah, re realistically for large scale application, we are, uh, maybe we, we still have some time, but there's, whether it's an am Ampere or uh, there was a great PBS documentary that just came out a few few weeks ago that touched on all of the, the, the companies touching on this space and the different business models. And I, I tend to like Ampere's with the, the regional. Really? It's on PBS? Yeah, they just, uh, I, I think it's PBS, yeah. It was an, an hour documentary and, and Ampere's featured uh, as, oh. as one of the one of the companies. But it's I, I tend to like their business model of the uh, the regional air mobility and uh, where, where they're going there, but there's there's a lot of cool stuff there. So this, I, I think this touches on kind of the broader topic you were saying of celebrating the win. So I, it, I don't know, you, you mentioned we're, we're kind of 10 years from the point of no return. And I think some, sometimes people take that as like a pessimistic view and we all get, uh, we get down about, I don't know what, what needs to be done in our ability to actually make meaningful progress. But my sense and just the time that we've talked, um, is that you, you tend to be a lot more optimistic about it, it seems. And personally I, I am as well. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I definitely would agree. Yeah, there has to be more of us, right? Like, yeah. I, 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 um, I'm a very spiritual person. I'm very much like, you know, understand the energy that's around you and what, what people are putting into the sauce, you know? And I just think like, you could sit there and say, oh, it's, we're doomed forever. Right. Mm -hmm. And then what do you want to do with the next 10 years? Right. Or do you like really want to like figure out a path forward? You know, it's going to be hard. I think I'm like thinking of the hero's journey. Um, also, right. You just had a kid. Like, of course you want you. Yeah, what? Sure. And so, like, And that's for me. I'm like, that's, that's enough motivation. I feel like that should be enough motivation for folks. Uh, to really want to make a change and solve this. And also, I think it's really exciting. Um, I'm, I'm just like, do you really want to sit around and have everything be the same, you mm -hmm. know? And, and it's just like having the opportunity for things to be better. Um, and that's the other part is right. Like true leaders, we understand one, they tell the truth, um, but two, they prepare their people for the bumps that are long that are coming. Um, and I think that's something that Elemental can really help give some transparency about. Um, like we realize if if DEI was easy, it would already be done, right? Mm -hmm. If innovation was easy, it would already be done. So we're taking on these two rather they seem so diametrically opposed. And we're putting them together and they're just two really hard things, but it's really, I find it constantly energizing to see the joy on our founders face when they talk about their innovations. Like they're constantly like, and we figured this out and our team was like, you know, banging our heads in the wall and then we got it and then we shared it. And, you know, and it's those types of moments that I'm like, okay, this is why we're here. This is, this is why this is the move. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just getting more folks to see I want to change the conversation about climate action is basically what I'm trying to say, right? There's so much like there's a doom and gloom, right? Where it's like, we only have 10 years. Otherwise, you know, we're all underwater. Um, and I really want to change the conversation towards hope and to provide stories of hope of how so many people are working towards this. Because that's what I get to see every day. But I don't think that the entire world gets to see that. Yeah, very cool. And I think it's a, uh, a great uh, activity to be undertaken. And certainly some of the hope of uh, 
of having this, this podcast, I guess part of it is, is educational and trying to learn kind of what, what are the right things to be working on, but then kind of, yeah, s- similarly, I had the feeling kind of being in the industry that, uh, the, the good news isn't necessarily make it, making its way out as, uh, frequently as it should be. Exactly. Exactly. So thinking r- real quick about the, uh, so, so you talked about some of the things like inspiring action and the importance of executing and uh yeah you're identifying and getting around roadblocks you're trying to make sure that you're not just uh throwing things at a community but you're getting consumer input and, and making educated decisions about how to best implement technology but maybe taking a, f- a further step forward and or backwards and i know this might not be exactly where where you're uh focused right now but i'd be curious to understand how how you or elemental are, are thinking about picking the right technology to work on so there's and part of, I don't know, maybe it seems easy just finding an exciting, uh, exciting technology that seems to be working towards climate change. But I also think there, there's a lot of, uh, it's, it's a lot more nuanced than that. And an example that I, I come back to here is I, I'm really excited about electric vehicles, electrification, and and everything that's been doing. Um, and certainly for certain for applications like aerospace or last mile delivery, there's there's it's a, it's a slam dunk. But at the same time. I tend to think that people who are going too far in that direction and thinking that hybrids and internal combustions and fuel improvements and everything, um, if thinking that that's all, I don't know, in, in the past and that we should just focus on electric vehicles, we're, we're missing something there and we're not following the optimal path forward. And that, that's just one example. So how, how do you think about finding and picking the right technologies to try to help them have success? Well, that is the question. Uh, we are literally in the middle of due diligence. Uh, <laughs> so we'll be announcing our next cohort in August or September, somewhere in between there. Um, but yeah, I set out and I said that I really was looking for technologies focused in freight and logistics. Um, I think 2020 has, if you learn <laughs> into e-commerce, you definitely are now. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, one I really do want people to understand that there's a cost to, you know, it being Christmas every day, like having that little smiling box on your doorstep. Like there's, there's a, there's an environmental cost to that. Um, but I think freight and logistics is, you know, they're really the workhorse of our nation and so many other countries and really trying to figure out how can we do this even more efficiently? Like, I will say Amazon Ops, like that's an amazing team. Like they have figured out, like they just, they, they specialize in execution. Um, and it's trying to think of how do we incorporate more environmental um, awareness within those types of operations um, beyond Amazon, of course. And, you know, they have decided to electrify their fleet. Um, but I think to your point, right, there's, we're still, you know, doubling down on um finite resources of lithium and cobalt. And so we're going to need to continue to figure out how do we innovate, you know, once those batteries are are dying and dead, right? There's second life battery technology that still isn't really getting the love that it needs um, in terms of industry and figuring out how do we recycle them. Um, So I would say freight and logistics, one, just figuring out how do we move packages more efficiently uh, is First, um, electrification continues to be an exciting topic. Um, it's still um, Greg Bennett at Cape Four likes to call it the wild, wild west of like, how do we get these chargers in the ground? 
Um, and that, that really is a challenge, right? Um, I'm not a big fan of the peer-to-peer kind of EV charging sharing, you know, like I think there's still a lot of challenges in having other people come onto private property. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, malls and, and things like that are really great places to put them, but I think there's going to be, and that's why I'm excited, you know, right. We're going to have, what is it? 500,000 new chargers in the next five years put into the ground and trying to figure out where, where to put them. That was something that I was challenged with, um, with the, with working with EVgo on the VW settlement with San Francisco's funds, um, is where do you put the chargers? Like, do you put them where you want there to be more EVs or do you put them where there are currently EVs? Um, we all know who currently has EVs and who doesn't have EVs. Um, So is that very equitable? Um, So I do want to focus on the charging aspect more than the vehicle Um, at this point in terms of passenger vehicles. um, I will say I was really excited when we found Charger Help. Um, Charger Help is a a company from the previous cohort, cohort nine, um, and it's two women that are doing the servicing of those EV chargers, right? Like there's no, there's no point in having a charger if it's down. And the average time that a charger is down is 30 days, um, which is phenomenal, right? Um, so it's um, Camille Terry and Yvette Alice are putting this together and they're training people to be EVSE technicians, um, which is a whole new job classification that they, they got created at the federal level. Um, so one, that's a, one, a creation of a green job, which is the other thing that I'm looking for when I'm doing due diligence. And then trying to figure out what are, what are all the, right, what's all the minutia in the middle? Like, right, thinking about Ampere's plane, how are you gonna charge the plane? Um, thinking about who's gonna service these chargers. So there's a lot of gaps within the transition that still need to be addressed. And that's kind of what I wanna get to. So I think fleet charging, right, there's more and more technologies. Uh, we just have Ampli Power um, in cohort eight and they're focused on fleet charging. Uh, we kind of have a more future tech, tech, which is charge trip, which is figuring out like which charger are you going to go to considering your circumstances in terms of like if you have small people in your car or you're going long distance. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of it is I want to know what are the gaps that still need to be filled so someone can present that. And uh, the last kind of bucket that I was looking for was our cities have been hit really hard by COVID in the sense of uh, sales tax, right? So sales tax covers most of the general fund. Um, Most of the general fund goes to the transportation side of the city. Um, That's why I really enjoy transportation. It's probably our most democratic service that we provide um, within our cities. And so the cities are gonna have to do the same, if not more with less funds. And so I was looking for new technologies that are revenue generating um, that increase efficiency. So I know there's been a lot of, you know, I got to cut my teeth early days of innovation on curb management, Um, but there's a lot of other opportunities for cities to create new revenue because right, 
the gas tax, that's not a very good revenue generating uh, source. Especially anymore. if, yeah, if you're tr- yeah, exactly transitioning. The transition yes. that we're looking for. Um, and then the other one is parking, right? With the advent of ride hail. Yes. Um, so many, so many fewer people are parking. And so city lots and structures are, are losing revenue. And so really trying to find technologies that are going to help our cities. Yeah, and it, it, those are interesting examples too. In that, uh, I don't macro view positive developments, right? You don't want cars parked all over the place. It's it's best for people sharing sharing vehicles. But there's uh, these side effects that are unintended, which is so much of innovation, right? We're like yeah. talking about these are the changes that we want, but you have to think of the, the systems view as what is dependent on the default. Yeah, um, and that's kind of the interesting part to, for me as so- well. So if I had to, uh, I don't know, sum- summarize from my perspective, and I'd be your, uh, I'd be curious to get your opinion how how close or far from from the the target this is. It seems like there's been a a good amount of effort that went into kind of defining how Elemental thinks the world should look, and particularly five years from now, right? There's these here are the trends that are are positive and developments, etc. And then it's understanding, okay, where are there within that? Where are the the trends such as uh, such as e-commerce and logistics problems or, and where are the gaps so that we can try to help fill these gaps and move towards this overarching or underlying objective. Is that yeah, close yeah, to it? Yeah. So yeah. So definitely freight and logistics, right? It's Christmas yeah. every day. How do we make Christmas more sustainable? Um, and then, um, you know, the transition to electrification, I think everyone's like, oh, we're just going to like switch everybody over. We're going to make combustion engines, you know, we're not going to sell them anymore. But it's going to be like 30, 60 years of transition, honestly. Like, I'm going to tell you now, my brother is a drifter. He's got cars. He's probably on his like 30th car ever. He changes his cars like he changes his shoes. Um, he's not, he's not good. He has a Prius, but it's more or less, he has like a bunch of like early nineties Nissans. So I think one, we have to anticipate there will be a black market for combustion engines, at least in California, for sure. Um, but you have to just think about the maintenance jobs, where are they going to go? Um, right. We're going to have to start teaching people how to troubleshoot software because that's what a lot of our cars are. Um, are becoming and so there's just a constant need of like for every piece of the transition there needs to be you know addressed on both sides um like newton's law right um and then the very last part is helping our cities so freight electrification and city revenue and so i want to circle back uh kind of once again the uh unintended consequences and then also tying back in in d and dei um so actually, real quick definition, just to make sure. So we're, we're talking diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? When you say yeah. DEI, we're just, just for anyone who's, yeah. Uh, but so unintended, so I think you talked about inbound and outbound um, DEI, which I, which I think is a key distinction worth talking about. So I think the the obvious one is obvious, but not not fully settled by any means is, is the inbound one, right? It's It's getting these different perspectives at the table and and accounting for them. But I think some something that I didn't and probably still don't fully um, appreciate is the challenge of this outbound equity. So I think, uh, I know you, you see it in with like AI software or like Airbnb recently had some something that came out. And my read is even, even features or developments that are well-intended and trying to make an improvement to uh, trying to either 
I guess at worst at at be- at the minimum not make things worse, but often actually trying to make things better have these unintended consequences if if you don't really understand who you're targeting and how you're rolling something out so that yeah you you end up making a a negative impact on DEI without even trying to on the offset which i think is a is a challenge yeah it's definitely a challenge i think uh, i <laughs> algorithms are really I appreciate the efficiency. I know that I can never think like a computer, but also I know a computer can never think like me, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so they're like, well, an algorithm made it, made the decision, right? But I'm like, who made the algorithm? You know, and I think that's the part where people are like, oh, there could be unintended bias within the algorithm, right? Like I think something, a discussion that's been uh, kind of heating up lately is uh, real estate appraisals, right? Um, they found that black homeowners are receiving lower real estate appraisals. Um, and this woman had a, a, a white male friend of hers stand in um, and received a much higher real estate appraisal, right? And so then the real estate you know, industry was like, well, we're gonna put this algorithm together. And then they found that there's still bias even in the algorithm, right? And so one, I think there just needs to be an awareness of like, everyone should know what bias looks like. And I will say it's harder to understand what bias looks like if you've never been part of it, um, never been you know, exper- ex- exposed to it. Um, and so I think that's something, a lens that needs to be added to the table um, that bias looks different. It takes shape in so many different ways. Um, and so that goes back to What's all the different ways that this pilot project could go wrong? It's the same. It's the same thing, but it's just not happening in the technical realm, and it's happening in the people realm. Um, and so that's kind of our equity in and equity out is making sure that everybody has awareness that you know these things can happen, and you're planning for them not to happen. You know how? Uh, so, so you mentioned an interesting point there about it's it's hard to appreciate uh, bias if you haven't haven't had it happen to you and. Uh, uh, maybe you could guess it if there's been bias in my life on the net. It's been uh, a lot more in the positive than than the negative direction, kind of get, given my my background and and everything. Um, so with I don't someone like like myself who who hasn't really had the firsthand experience, how would you or what, what's the best way to go about getting this across and helping to under people understand kind of what what how to identify and then also the impact of these biases. That's a very good question. And I think a lot of it is like, tell me a time where you did receive some bias, like a time that you felt like something was very clearly unjust, right? Um, But a lot of it is, it is, it's a lot of sharing. Um, And so it's, we, we have, um, we have communities of practice. Elemental is very focused on peer, peer to peer learning. Um, and so a lot of that is, is just being able to listen to each other's stories, going back to empathy. I know it sounds like such basic things, mm-hmm. um, but one I think is, yeah, some of our founders say that they don't, they don't have many friends that are of color. Um, and that's, that's, you know, it's not, it's not surprising. Like if you live in the cities that you live in, right. KQED just did a whole segment on talking about how there's, you know, the Bay area is, although one of the most diverse areas in the nation, if it is still extremely segregated in terms of housing and residential, 
Um, and so it's it's who's in your immediate circle, what what narratives do they have, and just being having that awareness that you know there is a lack of diversity in your social circle will tell you a lot of the fact that there's lenses that are missing. Um, so that's one piece of it. And then a lot of it is just like putting putting other people's shoes on, you know, like I, something that's big is there's an interest in doing diverse hiring, um, which is what calls into play that inclusion element, right? You've made your first diverse hire, right? Um, and how are you making sure that you're, you're maintaining retention there, right? Like one is like, no one wants to be the first diverse hire. Like, let's just highlight that piece. Um, and so it's kind of like put your shoes, put that person's shoes on. And it's like uh, making sure they don't feel tokenized, you know, and making sure like you're like, no, I really value your perspective, you know, and it's I'm so happy that you're on board. Uh, but also like, please help us in figuring out like, you know, making the point to say, you know, I need you to call me out if something sounds out of pocket, you know? Um, so that's, that's one piece of it, but a lot of it is just, you know, we do share a lot of content in terms of um, documentaries and things like that. But for the most part, I think the most impactful thing is having that peer to peer kind of exchange of stories. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, thank you. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Uh, so I, I, I want to close with kind of two, uh, two questions I ask all, all my guests, but before getting there. Um, so I'll certainly I'll, I'll link in the show notes to this five year plan that you mentioned, there's a nice, nice PDF online that people can can read. Is there anything else on that topic or kind of related mobility um, topics that you want to make sure to touch on? Mm, let's see. Oh, that's such a good question. You could also table that and uh, we, we can circle back after I ask. Yeah, you. I, think, I think I'll think on the mobility side for sure. So, sounds good. So I guess in, in the meantime, we can, we can talk. So I, I ask all my guests, so what, what is a, uh, what's a favorite book or favorite books of yours? So what, what have you read that's had a particular impact in either your personal, professional life or both? Ah, uh, can I give you like three things that <laughs> yeah, feel like they're not related, but whenever I'm making a serious life change, um, I listen to Lauren Hills Unplugged. Uh, everybody needs that therapy. Um, get out of all your boxes. Um, the other one is I reread The Alchemist. Um, that's just like such a great, like, you know, coming to life. Um, and then I will say that I recently revisited Kanye's graduation album, um, The College Dropout. And I was like, oh, yeah, I needed this. Um, so that's kind of like the cocktail of um, kind of major life steps, um, what, what I need to absorb before I can do it. Yeah. And actually, maybe that's, that's a, a good point on maybe I need to be more, more nuanced in my question. But that, it's funny, actually, I'm, I'm similar in that um, music. And then I actually, I, I also listened to graduation probably two weeks ago. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> But it, it's it's funny, uh, yeah. It, it, I, I tend to get moved by by music at sometimes as much or more than like the the books or like the the hard nonfiction that I'm reading. Exactly. I think yeah. There's like such a uh, there's such a place for artistry because I feel like that's really where the hearts and minds are. Like I, there's I I just I love I love art so much and I really appreciate artists and like what they bring and that's what I think is really missing from the climate conversation. Yeah, very, very cool. And uh, so again, 
I guess the, the last question I have, uh, uh, personal strength of yours. So is there anything that you have, is there anything that you think you do well, uh, no personality strength, the skill you've developed, et cetera, that you've, uh, been able to utilize or, uh, take advantage of so far in your career? Hmm. This is like my opportunity, like toot my horn. Let's see. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think I, I will say that when I first do, started doing public speaking, I was like mortified um, and more and more people were like, like, for instance, when Don, our CEO was like, we really want you to be the managing director of engagement and like really, you know, get out there and trumpet a voice for us. I, I, you know, I think it's, it's like the hero's journey. Like I keep getting this calling that folks want me to come and continue to speak. Um, and I guess I, I guess I do well resonating with a bunch of different folks. Um, but I will say it's one of those things like baby, uh, like, like the Oprah and me, like baby Oprah and me, like is very much like, oh, what is the universe whispers? What are they telling you? And they're always like, oh, you feel like you're in your zone when you're talking to people. Um, so I, I would say that um, really being able to resonate with people is, is something that I'm realizing I really need to like step into. Oh, well, yeah. And, and certainly has been in, uh, I, I've learned a, lot, a ton here and I'm, I'm hoping that everyone who is uh, listening has, has as well. So yeah, Danielle, yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, yeah, and just to go back to the mobility piece, yeah. it, um, I was a super big fangirl of Sarah Kaufman's um, Pink Tax and Transportation. Uh, she It's from the NYU Rudin Center. Hmm. Um, but I think it was something, it was the first time that I truly felt seen within the transportation industry. Um, and it just talks a lot about how women end up having a higher transportation costs one, because of victim blaming that, you know, if you got attacked on transit, people would be asking, what, what, what were you doing? What were you wearing? Why were you out late at night? Um, and so women take a lot of alternative transportation modes uh, to avoid those types of circumstances, but also women as the uh, caregivers, our traditional caregivers of our society, end up taking even more trips, um, trips for kids, trips for um, elders that they're taking care of. Um, so they pay a much higher transportation cost. And so I really appreciated um, Sarah Kaufman putting that together. And it's something that I definitely like to trumpet a lot within the transportation sector and why we need so many more women in transportation. Yeah, th thanks. I, I, I haven't read that, but I, I'll certainly have to check it out. And uh, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. Cool. For sure. So. Danielle, like I said, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. This is, has been a lot of fun. Uh, I'll be looking forward to whatever uh, piece of content you put together, what's a podcast, video series, or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it will be out there. It will be on the Twitter sphere. I'll probably get it on YouTube too. Um, but you will. I feel like it's going to be it's going to be something dramatically different. Is what I'm going for. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, thanks. All right. Thanks so much for having me. The Future Mobility Podcast is brought to you by FEV. For more than 40 years, FEV has been a global leader in the development of mobility solutions for the transportation industry. With a team of experts passionate about innovation through the design, development, integration, and validation of turnkey vehicle and propulsion system technologies, FEV is your partner for the development of future mobility solutions. I'm your host, Brandon Bartnick. 
If you want to learn more or get in contact, share feedback or questions, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn at Brandon Bartnick. Thanks for listening.